0: Sound Words, Christian Magazine, Volumes 31-40, republished by Irving Risch, host of Down to Earth but Heavenly Minded Podcast. Thoughts on the Offerings, The Law of the Burnt Offering. In Leviticus chapter 6 and Leviticus chapter 7, we come, in our consideration of the offerings, to a very important and instructive portion of the Word of God. The oft-repeated phrase Aaron and his sons brings into prominence the thought of the priestly family to which every child of God, without exception, belongs and it is connected specially with the law of the offerings, which indicates the principle on which the service of God relating to the offerings must be carried on. Before considering the detail of this attractive and absorbing subject, let us view the divine order in which these offerings are brought before us here by the Spirit of God. 1. The burnt offering, of which the central thought is, it shall not go out. There is constantly before God the voluntary and absolute surrender of Christ in which he delights the unhesitating obedience and devotedness of the Son to the Father. The fragrance of that one offering, unchanged in character and its fullness unimpaired, ever ascends to God. 2. The meat offering, of which a memorial, with all the frankincense, was claimed for God, Aaron, his sons, and all the males among his children eating what remained. 3. The sin offering, which is constantly referred to as, most holy. 4. The trespass offering, all the fat of which was burned on the altar to the Lord. The flesh being eaten by the priests in a holy place. 5. The peace offering, which in the earlier chapter came after the meat offering and before the sin offering, here comes last. Jehovah, Aaron and his sons, the offerer and his friends, feast and joy together. Joint communion is generally last to be apprehended when considering the meaning of the sacrifices. The type with which we are now engaged has manifestly to do with those who are now God's holy priesthood. First Peter chapter 2 verse 5. A precious thought which cannot fail to arouse and hold the attention of every redeemed heart. We find in this type the application of the sacrifice of Christ as bringing the saints into all the unspeakable blessedness of fullest communion with God. Our place before God as priests is brought before us in the consecration of the priesthood. In chapter 8. How very significant is the statement, The burnt offering shall be on the hearth on the altar all night unto the morning. For the saint of God this is the night period. The time of Christ's absence. Our adorable Savior and Lord, whose claims we own, has been disowned by this world over which a usurper exerts his baneful power. But amidst the darkness, the saints, in fidelity to their absent Lord, are privileged to witness for him. The professing church is in irretrievable ruin, the object of disrepute and dishonor in the eyes of a hostile world. The refuge of every God dishonoring religious faction that takes the name of Christ, though shorn of every vestige of divine approval. And which in a coming day will have the unqualified repudiation of him whose witness it claims to be. How dark indeed is the night as the moral darkness settles down with ever increasing intensity upon this deluded world. Those who are patiently waiting for the dawning of that wondrous day which knows no decline will be cheered with the words, It shall never go out, knowing that. They tell us that the value and the sweet savour of the great sacrifice of Christ is as fresh before God as the day on which it was offered. Despite our waywardness, our willfulness and our unfaithfulness, our acceptance before God remains unimpaired because of the abiding efficacy of the work of him, who by the eternal Spirit offered himself spotless to God. And when we reach the glorious consummation of all God's ways in grace, where God shall be all in all, the fragrance of that offering shall still pervade the sublime scene where God eternally smells that sweet savour of rest. Christ's offering of himself was a whole burnt offering, in which all that he was in complete devotedness to the will of. God in the place of sacrifice was found to be infinitely perfect and fragrant to the heart of the blessed God. It was the priest's business to keep the fire burning, all night unto the morning, and the fragrance of Christ is ever kept in remembrance in the praises of the saints fervent affections in which the preciousness and perfections of Christ are maintained and cherished in the hearts of the saints by the holy spirit rise in glad songs of praise to the father neither natural activity no matter how intelligently directed nor fleshly ardor can have any part in these responsive movements of the heart and spirit in the oil for the candlestick exodus chapter 27 verse 20 there is a beautiful type of the spirit maintaining the light of christ in refreshing ministry to his own during the night of his absence And can we not see in the, continual fire, the spirit as the power in which we present Christ in all the fragrance of his person in our praises to God the Father, as we sometimes sing. His deep perfections gladly sing and tell them forth to thee. It is a most inspiring thought that the Father should in the Son be seeking worshippers from among men. How wonderful to find the Son of God in Samaria ministering to the woman at the well the precious things of heaven. Pouring into the heart of a weary sinner in copious measure those streams of heavenly grace which find their source in the heart of the Father Himself. Here we find the branches running over the wall in blessing to those who were sinners of the Gentiles. The worship the Son sought for the Father was in spirit and in truth. In spirit is according to what God is essentially, and in truth in accordance with that full revelation of Himself in the Son. What a blessed place is this where we can so worship God. As another has said, here is the true Beulah land for the saint, where the birds sing ever, and the heart goes forth in perpetual melody. God delights to have us remind him, though he can never forget it, of the work of the Son of his love. How sweet our occupation! As we read of the work of the priest in relation to the ashes, do we not learn that God would have us brought into practical conformity with that which calls forth the worship of our hearts. The linen garments indicate that we should be characterized by practical righteousness, and in taking up the ashes we should live in conformity to the death of Christ. How fittingly does the passionate utterance of Ruth rest upon the lips of those who have been brought into God's favor through Christ's death? Where thou de will I die, and there will I be buried. We have a similar thought in Acts 8, where Philip had spoken to the Ethiopian eunuch about Jesus, whose life was taken from the earth. The response of the eunuch was, see, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? As though he would say, I want to accept the place of death with him whose life was taken from the earth. It is only righteous that we should accept death here. And we can only act in the current of God's thoughts when we do so. Paul makes this the basis of his appeal in his epistle to the Colossians, if ye be dead with Christ, Colossians chapter 2 verse 20, and again in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 11, if we be dead with him. We shall also live with him, having taken our place before God as having died with Christ. We put on other garments. Do not the other garments suggest the character we bear as walking before men in conformity with the death of Christ? We go forth, without the camp unto a clean place. We must leave everything, here that has a name, or a place, or a religious sanction upon earth. To bear the reproach of one who has no place here, save in the hearts of those who love him, even as exhorted in Hebrews chapter 13 verses 12 to 14, therefore let us go forth unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come.